Wow. Nice job, y'all. That's authentic worship, everybody. Right there. That was good stuff. Thank you. Good morning. How are you? I know you're awake after all that. I'm Keith Wilson. I'm the worship pastor here at the church. It's good to be here with you again this morning. Dave will be back with us next week. I didn't know if he was going to be here today, so I did not prepare any jokes at his expense. We may make fun of other people this morning. I don't know. It's good to have you all here, uh, all of you regular attenders. And uh, if there are any visitors here today, we're, we're really glad that you stopped in to visit with us. I hope you noticed that when you came in, we have a pallet wall out there in the lobby. There's a lot of information about the church out there. We'd love to get to know you a little better and for you to get to know us a little better. Might even have a free little gift out there for you. My only real announcement today is that this weekend is actually the 15th anniversary of our church. So that's a good thing. If you talk to any of the old timers here, Pam or me or the Kamachis, I don't mean age-wise, I mean here from the beginning. Um, if you want to hear some war stories, they can tell you some. Um, yeah, I can remember when we started, we used to have church across the street at the EMS building, and um, we have to do a little bit of setting up here every Sunday morning, but, but over there we had a trailer parked out in back of the EMS building, and we had all of our equipment in, in that van, and every Sunday morning we would show up there at the crack of dawn and take down all of the bingo tables and set all the chairs up and bring our whole PA and the drums and everything in, set everything up, and then have church, and then we would tear all of that down, put it back in the trailer, and then set the bingo tables back up, because at the EMS building, bingo is a big deal. You want those tables just so for bingo. Um, and we would do that three Sundays a month. And then on the fourth Sunday, we always had to find a different place to have church. And we were up at the little Buffalo campground sometime. And we were at Chuck Stoner's airport a little bit. At the middle school, the Grange Hall, we were all over the place. And, um, and God stuck by us. God stuck by the church. Uh, just people had to find us at times to find out where church is going to be. And through the grace of God, we're still here 15 years later. Um, we've screwed up a lot along the way, and God has stuck with us through that too. It's good to have a loving, forgiving God, because we did some things right, we did some things wrong, but it's good to see all of you here this morning to celebrate this anniversary with us. If you remember last week, if you were here, we, we talked a little bit about serving other people and how we're called by God to be servants to other people that we're supposed to show God's love to other people for no other reason than because they're worth it and that's a way for us to show God's love. And hopefully you also remember that as a fringe benefit that when you're serving, God is growing you as a Christian. He's teaching you how to be a better person and he's also teaching you how to be a more loving person. So coming out of Valentine's Day, I thought that would be something good to build on this morning. So I'm going to talk about love, <laughs> exciting and new. <laughs> Some of you are old enough to know that reference. <laughs> the Bible says that we are to love one another, right? We can all agree on that? And that sounds good, 
But the question this morning is, can we do it? You know, somebody once said, I love mankind. It's the people I can't stand. <laughs> and, and on some days, that sounds about right. People can be irritating. I know that I can be irritating. I've been told that. I know. It's hard to believe. A lot of people don't realize that, but it's true. <laughs> I got news for you. You can be irritating, too. I've dealt with some of you. I heard a little poem once that sort of sums this up. It goes like this. It says, to live above with those we love, oh, how that will be glory. But to live below with those we know. Now, that's another story. <laughs> Even people at church can be difficult to love. You don't have to raise your hand for this. But have you ever glanced around in church and thought to yourself, man, I can't believe they're here. Can't believe God would welcome them into the family. Have you ever wondered if anybody is thinking that about you? I've thought that about myself. <laughs> what do people think? Why is he standing up there? And you know, sometimes it's hard to love even people in our own family. You know, I feel, I feel so bad for my wife sometimes because some of the things that come out of my mouth during the week, I say dumb stuff. I really do, but she loves me anyhow. She's showing me God's love. And uh, I'm actually reminded of a guy on Valentine's Day who said to his wife, you know, if you really loved me, you would have married someone else. <laughs> it's the end of the jokes. <laughs> love God, love each other. That's what we're supposed to do. So how do we make love one of the dominating characteristics of our lives? I want to spend a little time talking about that. The first thing we need to do is to make love a priority. Loving people is difficult, yet this is what the Bible commands. It says this in 1 John 3.11. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. And we spend time on what we deem to be important. For many of us, these choices are valid. Time with family and friends, time spent at work, in prayer, serving the poor. Those are all good things, but we have to be doing them for the right reason. The Bible reminds us in 1 Corinthians 13.3. It says, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. So even though all those things are good, if we're doing them for the wrong reasons, if we don't do them out of love, then they don't mean anything to God. Even though we have the freedom to set our own priorities, Jesus has made a defining point of certain ones of them for us. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love, then, is not a gray area in the scriptures. Jesus gave love priority over all other Christian virtues. That's a mouthful. Jesus gave love priority over all other Christian virtues. Every thought response, and act of good, goodwill must first pass through the filter 
of love or it means nothing at all. Martin Luther King Jr. wrote a book called Strength to Love. And in it, he encouraged us to realize, here's the quote, that our responsibility as Christians is to discover the meaning of this command and seek passionately to live it out in our daily lives. So the question is, why love? What makes love so important? And I want to spend a little time, hopefully we can understand the importance of love a little better. When Jesus spoke to the disciples regarding the first and second greatest commandments, he explained in Matthew twenty-two forty. He said this, all the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Love God, love each other. And to the people of Israel, and for many believers today, it would seem more logical for obedience to be the peg from which the law hangs, since the point of writing a law is adherence to the law. In fact, John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Yet then Jesus also said in John 13, 34, I give you a new commandment. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you must also love one another. And the Apostle Paul elaborates on that in Romans 13.10. He said, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. And now I know this may sound crazy to us in modern society where we depend on police departments. We depend on guns and force to uphold man-made laws. Yet this simple command from Jesus requires greater strength than any of us naturally possesses, more power than any man-made weapon. The logic of Paul's interpretation of Jesus' command that love fulfills the law, it seems simple. Because if one loves his neighbor, he will not commit adultery with his neighbor's spouse. If he loves his co-worker, he will not lie to him. If he loves his enemy, he will not slander him. Love fulfills the law because if we truly love every person, just because they're a person, we will not desire to hurt or violate them. Thus, we'll never break the law. God established love as the impetus for obedience. So the question becomes, how do we embody this Christian love? Well, when we demonstrate Christian love, it distinguishes us as believers from the rest of the world. Jesus goes on to say in John 13, 35, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Notice that Jesus did not say people will know that you are my disciples if you promote my agenda or if you wear Christian t-shirts or a what would Jesus do bracelet, or have a fish on your car, or if you listen to K-Love. Those are all great things. There's nothing wrong with any of those. But he said they will know you if you love one another. That's how they're going to know you're my disciples. People will not be persuaded when our values are promoted, but when we are living our values, when we become purveyors of love in God's name. 
And here's what shocked me when I was researching this. It's, it's really as though Jesus has given the entire world the right to judge us, the right to judge whether we're Christ followers, simply based on our love for our fellow human beings. We're not supposed to judge them. They're supposed to judge us. God has given them the right to judge us. The virtue of love is what distinguishes the Christian. From the very beginning, God's plan was to develop a people that reflected his character. And what is God's character? You can probably guess. It's love, right? 1 John 4, 16 and 17 says this. It says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Believers are God's advertisement to society as to how individuals could best live in that society. In fact, Christian love will always be the best argument that the church has. If we're loving God and we're loving each other, everything else will probably take care of itself. As I researched this message, I read a little clip about a missionary from East Africa. His name was Ira Gillette. And he returned home to report on his activities overseas. And he related an interesting phenomenon. Repeatedly, he noticed how groups of Africans would walk past government hospitals and they would travel many extra miles to receive medical treatment at a missionary compound. And he finally asked one of these groups one day, he's like, why are you doing that? Why do you travel the extra distance when the exact same treatment is available at the government clinic? And their reply was this. They said the medicines may be the same, but the hands are different. That's the virtue of love. That's the kind of love that makes a difference. Right now, right here on earth, Jesus has no hands except for us. He has no feet except for our feet. We are his ambassadors representing him to the world. And when we love as he has loved us, it will make a difference. That's when people will notice. So we need to be able to demonstrate the virtue of love to other people. And how do we demonstrate the distinctiveness of Christian love? Well, there's a couple things that we should know. Number one, we should know that love values the other person. And I don't want to confuse Christian love with what I'll call a modern counterfeit, with sentimentality, gratification, with lust. Love is a wonderful, warm feeling, but it's not the only feeling. In fact, according to the Bible, love is primarily an active interest in the well-being of another person. Love acts for the benefit of others. And the cool thing is, is that God loved us not because we had something to offer him, but rather because he had something to offer us. I'm sure most of you in here know John 3.16, even if it's only from looking at the end zone in a football game. 
It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So God loved us so that he could demonstrate his mercy to us in the person of his son, Jesus. I read a little article, and in it there was a quote from a pastor from a First Baptist Church in Texas. And the guy's name was Dr. W.A. Criswell. That sounds like a good Southern Baptist name to me. And he was talking in this article. He said he did a lot of wedding ceremonies during his career. And he said oftentimes in the preparation for the wedding, the groom would inevitably ask him, you know, how much is this going to cost? What does it cost to have you do our service? And he said he would always just smile at the groom and say, well, just give me what you think she's worth. And he said he made a lot of money from that one simple little statement because at least at the beginning of the marriage, (laughs) the groom placed an extravagant value on his bride, right? In like manner, every one of us is of incredible value to God as a potential object of his mercy. His one and only son died in our place. He died in place of everybody. Even for the worst person that we know, Jesus died for them. And because people matter so much to him, they ought to matter to us. And we, therefore, we need to love them as much as he loves them. And to do that, sometimes you have to be vulnerable. Love is vulnerable. In other words, love opens up its life to another person. It goes beyond sentimental feelings. It breaks down barriers and exposes the heart. Think about Jesus. He left the glory of heaven to come down to earth. He veiled his divinity and took on humanity. And what did it get him? John 1.11 says this. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Can you imagine being away on a business trip for a week, and when you came home, your family didn't recognize you anymore? They didn't know who you were? That's similar to what Jesus experienced when he came to earth, and surely that must have hurt him. And then as Jesus hung on the cross, dying for these people that he loved, they hurled abuse at him, scorn, ridicule. His heart was broken. And yet he forgave them. That was an enormous cost to pay. Love entails a cost. True Christian love entails a cost. Love gets its hands dirty. It takes a chance. It goes out on a limb. Love takes a gamble, but it makes a statement and leaves a legacy. It does the unexpected, the surprising, the stirring. It performs acts that steal the heart, and it leaves an impression on the other person's soul. That's true love. Often these acts are never forgotten. Just by loving somebody, you can impact them for the rest of their life. I'm reminded of a story that I heard a little while back, and this is a true story. A lot of you know Cobretti Bardol. He's been coming here since he was just a little guy with long red hair. And... um, 
He plays guitar in the band sometimes. He played last week. Cobretti is in a band. They're called Sink In. And they, they play all over the country. He's quite the guitar player. And they played here at church a few years ago on a Wednesday night for youth night. And um, their lead singer was introducing one of their songs. And the song is called Minnesota Train. And he was telling the story about how he came to write that song. He explained that he and a man named Josh were traveling on a train to Minnesota to do mission work at a Native American reservation. These are some of the poorest people in our country. And while on the train, Josh got a phone call from his doctor here in Pennsylvania. And the doctor was calling to tell him that he had a week to live due to liver cancer. And he went on to say that Josh made a decision that didn't make any sense to him at the time. Everybody thought that he would immediately head back home to get his affairs in order and to say goodbye to his family, but he didn't do that. He wanted to show God's love to these Native American kids that he had made a promise to. So he decided to continue that journey. He decided he was going to spend what little time he had left pouring God's love into these kids. As a pretty cool side note, he did not die in a week. He did die, but he hung on for five more years, continuing his missionary work. And Cobretti told me that's why they named their band Sink In, because they feel they are called to fully immerse themselves into what they are called to do, just like Josh did. Now, I'm not saying that we should disregard our health or risk our lives, but what I am saying is that Christian love inevitably carries costs. Even when the cost is high, we can nevertheless count on God to bring fulfillment to his followers. True love always has cost. If there's no cost, then there's no love. So this is my conclusion. In the end, the goal of Christian life is love. We make it really complicated, but it's not any more complicated than that. Love God, love each other. The measure of our maturity is our love for God and our love for each other. And if we fail in our love, we have missed what it means to be a Christian. But there is hope for those of us who have failed at love. At the beginning, I asked the question, can we do it? Can we love others in this way? And the answer, I'm afraid, is no. We cannot love others like Christ without Christ. The Lord who forgave even those who crucified him stands ready to forgive you for your lack of love and me for my lack of love. He wants to show his mercy toward you today to cleanse your heart and to fill it with his loving Holy Spirit. And my prayer for you today is that you would receive this mercy, that you would place your trust in Christ and let him teach you how to love as he has loved you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to you, Lord. Number one, we're grateful that you're 
We just feel your powerful presence with us right here, right in this room this morning, through these songs we heard, through these words of yours that we heard spoken to you, Lord. We love you so much. And man, we are blown away by the fact that you love us. We know that we prove virtually every day that we don't deserve your love. And yet you love us. You sacrifice for us. I pray that as we grow in our faith, Lord, that we would, we would learn to let go of a lot of the little petty things that happen on a day-by-day basis and just have some faith and some grace and that we would just reach out to people, tell them that we care about them and we love them, even though when we don't agree with them. And Lord, I know that showing love doesn't mean that we're supposed to be a doormat, that we're supposed to be taken advantage of. But we are called to love other people, even when we've been wronged, Lord. And that's a hard thing. I pray that if we struggle with that, that we would, that we would have a conversation with you, that we'd be honest with you, and that through that, you would soften our hearts, you would let us know what the right path forward is. Lord, I pray for, I pray for people here that may have never had a conversation with you, Lord. I pray that just something that happened today or in the past week, something would trigger something in them and, and that they wouldn't worry about having to be churchy and knowing the right words to say, that they would just talk to you in their regular voice, in their everyday language, tell you what's going on in their life, ask you to help them with the problems that they're having, and that they would just be honest. And then I pray that you would trigger something in them, Lord, and that they might be brave enough maybe to to talk to somebody in the band or talk to one of the ushers or, or our pastor, Lord, and that they would learn maybe what the next step to this whole loving God, loving people thing is, and that you'd equip us to be able to help them with that, Lord. We're so grateful to you. We love you so much. And we pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.